welcome to the Last Looks podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. And now, a word from our sponsor. Psst, come in closer. Would you like to hear what Hollywood's best-kept secret is? Want to know what many A-listers are using? Do you want your skin transformed to be red carpet ready? Abovo Skincare's enriched eye and delicate day creams will nourish, moisturize, soften, and heal your tired skin. The meaning of the name Abovo is the origin, the beginning, the start. Take your skin back to the beginning with these natural, eco-friendly, luscious products. Great for all skin types, under makeup, and also for midday touch-ups. A little goes a long way to luminous skin. And we haven't forgotten our FX friends. Abovo skincare is incredibly soothing and healing after removing those prosthetics. Skin will be in great shape for your next day's application. Try this magical mix of essential oils and ethically sourced emu oil, and your skin will say thank you. Available at aboboskincare.com. That's A-B-O-V-O skincare.com. Or pop into LA's industry-focused beauty supply stores, and you too can enjoy Abovo Skincare's star treatment. And now, our feature presentation. Today on The Last Looks Podcast, I'm speaking with makeup artist Tina Raisler-Kerwin. Tina and I work together on the film Blonde and are working together currently, so I thought what a great time to nab her for a chat. Growing up in small town Texas, Tina knew she wanted to do something creative. Little did she know where she would end up and what industry she would eventually find herself in. So stay tuned to find out more on how that all came about. Pictures up. Last Looks. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast, Tina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, lady. Now, I would like you to finish this sentence for me, okay? Okay. Once upon a time, there was a girl named Tina, and when she grew up, she wanted to be... Out of the small town I was in. (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous career choice. (laughs) I, I, I didn't know early on what I wanted to do, but I knew early on what I didn't want to do. I wanted to do something creative, and I was so afraid of being stuck in the tiny little town that I grew up in that I made some weird choices along the way because of it. Like, I was in high school, and they're like, you're required to take typing. I'm like, no, I do not want any office skills whatsoever. I do not want to ever have to fall back on any office skills, so no, no typing for me. And they're like, okay, well, you have to take three more classes in order. I'm like, whatever that is, I'm going to do that. (laughs) So I knew I needed something creative, but I Mm. didn't know, I didn't know what that was. And I, it took me a while to, to find that path, but I grew up really creative. My mom's really creative. Um, And so I just knew I needed to stay in that space and not stay in that town. (laughs) It's a lovely town. It just wasn't for me. I was fearful I'd be um, stuck and I'd I just felt like there was a bigger world out there I needed to see. Yeah. I'm wondering what the key things were that you witnessed that you were like, no, that's not me. I don't want to do that. (laughs) You know, it's so funny because I can't even be specific except that I remember, you know, people that I thought, oh gosh, they're so talented and they're so, you know, they're so smart and they have the world ahead of them and, oh, they're working at the bank. I don't think I want to work at a bank and oh they're they're these are all valuable jobs. I just knew my inner need for a creative outlet was not going to be fulfilled if I if I had a typical office job or desk job or or anything that didn't give me some kind of creative I don't know place to to do to be whatever that was (laughs) so yeah yeah so when you're in high school what do you do after high school after high school I was in college um, for a little bit in in the town that I grew up in and then I went to Austin and went to college and I'm still 
sort of doing the expected path of school, but at the same time choosing, you know, I'm going to art classes and I'm, I'm trying to find, you know, what, what that next step might be. And so uh, I had a lot of really wonderful watercolor classes and, you know, calligraphy classes and anything I could find that was artistic that still qualified by my parents' view as going to college. <laughs> but right, right. not not a whole real perspective on I'm going to do this forever. It's just like I need to be here because they think I need to be here. And by the way, I love Austin. So, um, yeah, well, that's your first step of getting out of town, right? Is yeah. like going to a different town to go to college. Yeah. So, and and that's awesome. Yeah. And that's what it was. It's like, yes, I can do that. I'll go there and I'll do our creative things and I'll just figure it out as I go. So that's what I did. And so how does makeup come into play? Well, oddly enough, like I said, my whole life I've, I've been creative because my mom was very creative and my grandmother was very creative. I started painting when I was, I don't know, maybe, well, obviously finger painting when you're a kid, but I started doing mm. oil paintings when I was like seven, you know? Mm. So I painted most of my um, younger years, watercolor oil you know, pastels, oils, whatever. And so for me, when I was in, when I was in Austin, I got a part-time job at a department store in um, the cosmetic department and which was great. And I just started painting faces and I thought, okay, I can do this. I know colors. I know how to blend. I know, you know, how to sort of look at something and, and feel like it, it looks okay. I'm going to figure mm. out the rest of it. So my part-time job when I was in college was doing that. And I did that for many years. And then when I left Austin and came back home, I got another job and another department store in the cosmetic department. And that's where I started because when you're in cosmetics in those department stores, every line trains you. Every line right. will, tr will send you on some sort of training. And so I couldn't get enough of it. And I just kept going and going. And I, I stayed there for a while and then started adding in, you know, headshots and print and commercials and, you know, fashion shows and, and eventually just then made the jump. So. And that was still like back in your hometown. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then your idea of a small town, I think is very different to mine. <laughs> I'm like, my small town did not have a department store with a makeup counter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that makes sense. There's a qualifying, uh, you know, uh, part of that. But my small town was near Houston. And oh. so I often would go go into Houston and the Houston area to work. So I could begin nice. to Houston and, you know, within 30 minutes, you know, depending on the traffic, um, I could yeah. get there and I was, you know, all over Houston and, or the Houston area. So yes, I was living in a small town, but I was near enough to a big one. And then I moved to Dallas. Dallas opened up a whole world of print opportunities hmm. for me and, and fashion opportunities for me that I hadn't had before, which was really great because a lot of fashion houses are in Dallas and they have to do all their advertising, all their hang tags, all their, you know, their brochures that they would do and, and fashion shows. So that gave me a whole nother way to explore makeup. And I was doing makeup and hair at the time because that's what you do in some of the smaller states, certainly at the time. And so I was I was having a ball. I was having such a great time and just kept looking for the opportunities that would, you know, feed that creative need that I had. So, yeah. What? So at any point while you're doing all of that, are you even thinking about like television and film stuff or is that? No, 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 because there was that didn't exist really in in Texas to to any great extent, and it certainly mm. was news to me. The first time I did anything that was you know a recorded basically was fashion shows, right. um, and so that was really an re interesting learning to see your work then go in that way. And then I did commercials, and commercials there was just endless amounts of commercials that I could do. And then slowly but surely television and film started coming into to Texas. And then the opportunities were greater. And when that was when I think I really knew, okay, not only can I not be in this town anymore, I need to not mm. be in this state anymore. <laughs> so mm. I, I sort of had reached a really comfortable place in Dallas 
Um, yeah. I'd worked all the time. I could work as much as I wanted to. I could call, you know, the place that did all the printing stuff and said, I have, you know, Thursday, Friday off if you need me. They're like, you're booked, you know? So I was like, okay, this is going to get way too comfortable. I need a little bit more of a challenge. So I'm I saved my money and I made the leap and I moved to Los Angeles and it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, it was one of those things where I had worked on a commercial in Texas. And when I moved to Los Angeles, I contacted those people and said, I've now moved to Los Angeles if you need anybody. And it was about a month later, they go, hey, we're doing this television series. I'm like, I'm in. (laughs) So I didn't have to wait too long. And it was only because I'd made contacts you know, randomly and previously, and then reached out to those contacts. And is that why you moved to LA? I mean, there's so many big cities in, I mean, Dallas is also large, but there's also like, there's so many places in the States to move. So what drew you to LA? Well, at the time when I was living in Dallas, I was flying to New York, Los Angeles, and Toronto to do Mm. work. And I was, so I was flying and, and, you know, being in the center of the country was a good place. So I kind of tested out the waters to move to New York. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot carry my kit up these stairs and in a cab and across town and back, you know, I just like, this is just so hard, (laughs) you know, but I'd done it a little while while I was there doing, you know, some fashion stuff. And then Mm. Toronto, I was like, no, I don't want to, I don't think I want to live here either. And then I was going back and forth to LA. And at the time I was in LA, two of my roommates were models. And so they Mm. were doing some of this same back and forth stuff and they were often going to LA. So we just got, we just said, okay, let's just, we just need to do this. And so we all moved to LA, all three of us. Yeah. And so initially I, the three of us lived together and while we were sort of getting our footing so it was uh, it was great because I not only had roommates, I had people I knew, and uh, we were all figuring out the town as a local together. Yeah, that's got to make it a little bit easier, surely. Yeah, it it didn't last as long as I thought it would because as a model, they were making way more money than I was making, <laughs> <laughs> and and they were also their version of figuring out LA was a little bit more partying you know, uh, that I was into, you know? And so I was like, this is great. However, I don't need all these people in my house. So, um, yeah. but they're, they're wonderful. And they're, you know, we remain friends, but we all found our path. So that's awesome. And so yeah. that first TV, like, was it a whole series that they had reached out to hire you for? Yes, but I, I was hired as, as a third or, okay. or maybe, maybe it was considered actually a it was a second, but it was, you had to do hair and makeup because it was mm-hmm. non-union and I was not head of either department, which I was grateful for. So I did that for several, several episodes and, um, learned a lot, learned a lot from that. Yeah. I was going to say the change is probably quite significant, right? It is. And, and what's so great. And what's, what I always say to people is that if you're really paying attention on a job, you're going to learn how to do things and you're going to learn how not to do things. Mm. And you just have to pay attention and be receptive to there's learning on every job. And if you keep your mind open to there's learning on every job, you know, some t- things you'll take away. I'm like, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> or yeah. I'm always going to do that. So, you know, I, I learned a lot. I think it's um not only just technically or skill wise but I mean I definitely tend to or have tend to have done that when a superior has made me feel a certain way I think um, or spoken to me in a certain way or just behaved or I've witnessed them treating somebody else in a certain way and I'm like god I hope I don't do that please don't let me do that please don't let me do that (laughs) yes and and honestly that skill is as important as anything is how how you Mm. interact and treat people so yeah absolutely I think you yeah you pick it up pretty quickly when you when you start working in the industry of just like I don't want to behave like that because that has a negative impact on how Mm -hmm. I feel and I'm here for 12 hours a day and I don't want to feel like that (laughs) exactly exactly but you know on the on the other side some people learn that they think they're supposed to behave badly Mm. are they're supposed to treat people poorly and that that's the only thing they've ever seen so it's not necessary 
it's not necessary. It'll never be necessary to be unkind to people. Yeah. So that was, uh, when I'm looking at your IMDb, like that's an incredibly large list, lady. You've been very busy. But so that was like back in 92. So as I say, the list is long. And <laughs> I would love to get an idea of a couple of favorites in that list of projects that you've done. I would, I would say it's, you know, I had, I love doing anything period and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's a Western or if it's, you know, seventies or whatever, but Boogie Nights was my very first union job. And mm-hmm. so I had spent all these years, you know, like everybody does working the hours and gathering the information and documenting and trying, you know, I want to get in the union and I'm getting all my ducks in a row and I'm thinking I'm, I'm about to do it. I'm ready to get in the union. And then I, I get a job that's non-union, mm-hmm. but then as soon as we start shooting, it goes union. And so I get in through Boogie Nights. So not only did I appreciate Boogie Nights because it cinched my union opportunity, but it was so creative and it was, you know, there was, there was quite a few years that we covered and it was lots of people and such fun makeup to do. And, you know, when you read a good script or you work with a really talented director and actors, mm. you get a, a little bit spoiled, you know, that, you know, yes, I'd done plenty of work before, but that was my first union job. And you're like, I'm in and this is amazing. And wow, this feels different. But I loved doing Boogie Nights. That was one of the first ones. But I have so many opportunities that came and and I enjoyed them for different reasons. Like I worked, had an opportunity several years ago to work with Terrence Malick. And that was on a job to the wonder. And just watching how he worked was fascinating and really exciting and really unusual. But, you know, working with great directors, you know, Robert Altman or, you know, Mike Mills or different ones, that that's also really exciting too. not just the work. It's just seeing yeah. how people tell their stories, which I find really fascinating. I probably probably pay a lot more attention to directors, maybe not, you know, than most, but I, I pay a lot of attention to the, who the director is and how I think they're going to tell their story. So, right. Cause I think that's fun too, to see what they, you know, what they've got to bring to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And how they go about it. And- yeah. And if it feels like something I would, I would, I was like, Oh, that makes sense to me. Or like, Oh wow, that's fascinating. I would have never thought of that, you know? So it's just, it's part of the whole learning and growing. And I love that. So, yeah, totally. And I mean, Jesus Christ, Lady Boogie Nights, what a fabulous first film in the union. Like, oh, my. Can you believe awesome. it? It's a classic. I, was, <laughs> I was just um, young and dumb enough to not really understand what I was getting into. I was just like, we're going to do this makeup and it's going to be awesome. But there was a, there was something super instinctual about that for me, partially because, mm. you know, I knew the era. But partially because I was just like, we're going to get really, you know, we're going to find period stuff to put in everyone's handbags. And, you know, we just had so much fun. It was a hard job. I won't I won't say it wasn't a hard job. But, yeah, how about that for the first union job? Hello. (laughs) I've arrived. (laughs) It's pretty cool. So before getting into this industry, were you a big movie watcher? Oh, Well, uh, yes, in a certain way. When I would get home from school every day, my sister and I had certain chores that we had to do to accomplish before my parents got home. But we always knew there was the $330 million movie was going to come on the television. And every single day after school, we would come home and turn on the 3.30 or 3 o'clock million dollar movie. And we would watch a movie every single afternoon. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And so we, as long as we got the chores done, we could, you know, like squeeze it in between commercials, you know. But we would watch a movie, you know, daily. And and it, it was um, – it was just part of what we did when we got home from school. That's cool. I mean, Way more fun than homework. <laughs> yeah. I was just watching cartoons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the, it's so funny because the local, that you know, the local channel is probably ABC or I don't even know. They just had this movie every single afternoon. And I was like, I'm in. I'm in. So I watched the movie every day. So That's awesome. Yeah. And so throughout all of the films that you've done, I mean, I know every film comes with its challenges, every job comes with its challenges, but if you could choose just one that was, I guess, the most challenging to date, what would it be? Well, 
maybe it's because it's the most, you know, challenging of recent, but it's blonde. Oh, it's fresh in yeah. your mind. Yeah. yeah. Blonde, blonde was a task. And, you know, part of the reason it was so hard is because we had so many looks and we had so little time and so little money. Um, yeah. and, you know, and also, you know, it's a Hollywood legend. You don't want to get that wrong. You know, you want to, you want to respect the look of that and, and the feel of that. And, you know, it's a pressure. And then to just do her whole life was, you know, just, it was a lot. When, when you do that many looks and you do it in, you know, 45 days, the math doesn't really add up very well. <laughs> it's just, no. it was hard. But it was it was fun, and I love a challenge. I don't have a problem with a challenge. But we could have used an extra week, you know, just to, oh my to God, get that right. Could have, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been you a dream. Know, I know. <laughs> you, you, imagine, imagine what an extra week would have done for that. You know, that was really hard. Don't do you think it was hard? Yeah, it is one of the most challenging things that I've done. But I also yeah. don't have the back catalog of work that you do, so that you have. So I don't know. Um, I think you pretty much. Will... <laughs> no, but it's just, you know, you've had a lot more experiences than I have. So it's almost like validating that you're saying how challenging that is. Um, yeah. Cause I was thinking it was challenging, but I just thought that maybe I was being like a bit of a wimp, <laughs> but no, you wouldn't have survived was... if you were a wimp. So <laughs> let's just put that out there. <laughs> That was that was not a that was not a film for wimps, you know. That that was a film for people with some strength in their in their bones and their soul and their everything and their you know conviction. So no, it was yeah. it was hard. So some some jobs are hard for different reasons, you know. Some jobs yeah. you're, they're they're hard because you're in a difficult location. Some jobs are hard because you're around people that you don't enjoy or some mm. jobs are hard because, you know, you're working a whole lot of nights or jobs are hard for all different kinds of reasons. But as far as the work goes on blonde, there was a massive amount to accomplish on a daily basis at a very, very fast pace. So yeah, let's just be glad we weren't doing it in the desert or in the mountains in the snow or something. <laughs> I think we'd still be there. I think they would just have buried us right there. <laughs> oh there were definitely God. times I thought I was going to die in that trailer. I was like, I'm just going to go down and just, I'm just going to sleep here and wake me. And if I don't wake, just kick me out when you get ready to work some more. I was just like, I think it would have been a better use of my time to actually have slept in the trailer. And I'm sure plenty of people in this industry feel that same way. And I'm sure yeah. people have done it before. Um, but yeah, it's almost oh, like, why am I bothering to God, drive home to sleep in my car? Yeah. Oh, God, I'm, I'm sure we've all had those thoughts, but you know, it's not where I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what like so many different looks and characters and stuff that you've created, what would you say would have to be an all time favorite? Well, obviously I'm very proud of blonde. I think, I think is as much as hard as it was, it was very difficult. Yeah. Um, but I'm proud mm -hmm. of, I'm proud of blonde. Um, I'm proud of Boogie Nights, but I also have done some things that are, you know, like nobody's ever seen. Like I did a, this enormous pilot several years ago called monsters of God and mm -hmm. it, it sounds like it's going to come back. It sounds like um, it might come back, but it's 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 just post Civil War, and mm. and and um, so there was the cavalry. There was you know different Native American tribes, and and there was you know very weather worn women, and so some of those looks were really fun to do, and it was such a great creative team that we were working with and so that was a fun one I think it's interesting too that like uh, for people on the outside or just even people that are in the industry everyone finds things fun or interesting like in different ways like I guess some people who are very into glamour and beauty like that maybe don't work in the industry would be like oh why would you want to do weathered and dirty and sweaty and stuff like that but it's actually like it's so much fun you know, it's so funny that you say that because at the time I took that job, I was offered the exact thing you've just described, this beautiful actress, this beautiful job, this beautiful, mm. and it was going to be all glamour and all, it was going to be amazing. But literally the day 
they came to me at the same time mm. and I had to make a choice and I chose the grittier, you know, character job over the beauty and the glamour. I mean, I don't exactly know why other than I just feel like I love doing beauty, but I think the opportunity to do all of these characters in this, mm. you know, post-Civil War thing just sounded so interesting to me. And that sort of grit and character that you can create. Um, so I, I chose that. And, and um, I think some people thought I was crazy, but, you know, that was a, <laughs> that was a hard one too. But, um, yeah, I love yeah. it. So. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, for anyone that thinks that that's easy, that dirt is easy, um, yeah. no. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's just got to be, you know, there's an art to it. There's a skill yeah. to it to make it, it has, look real and worn yeah, in. And, that's it. Yeah. It has to look like it's been sitting there for a while. And then you add on top of that, you know, wounds and special, any kind of special effects because we did quite a few. And then the whole understanding and learning about the Native American war paint and everything was fascinating. And we, you know, we, we were shooting in New Mexico and we had local people bring us the actual power that they would use um, to paint their faces. And so it was a whole education, you know, as well. And that's one of the things that I really love about what we do is the research, the history, the, the development of a character. So yeah, it's one of my that's favorite parts. Part. Yeah. I think you end up sometimes researching things that you never in a million years thought that you would. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And you know what was really incredible about this particular job is I'm reading the script and I'm doing research. And I was on another job. I was actually working on Killing of a Sacred Deer at the time I got this mm -hmm. offer. And yeah. um, the, the director said I had to turn in a presentation in order to get an interview. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. How am I going to do that? I'm working full time. So, I mean, I went to Pinterest and I put together this Pinterest board and this invited him in. And then I got an interview. And what what I found out in the researching of that particular project, because it was it was Texas and mm. I'm from and I'm from Texas. Um, I called both of my aunts that are both into Texas history. Um, one of them studies Texas history specifically. One of them studies the Native American tribes of Texas. And so I called them both. And, and it, as it turns out, they're literally my own Texas history had crossed into this script. And I could not believe it because I'm having this conversation with my, my aunts and they're, they're like, oh, no, no, but, but your relatives were part of the people that did this. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm reading the script where this cavalry comes in and they, you know, they, they do this thing and that's my relatives. I just couldn't believe it. And, and when I told the director, he's like, okay, all right. She's done her homework and her board looks good. You're in, you know? So that was another one of those weird things that when you do your homework and you do your research and you, like you said, you delve into things that, you know, maybe you wouldn't have otherwise, you mm. just find out some really cool stuff about, you know, this, as it turns out here about my own family. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It was pretty bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I feel like you've done so many, like worked in so many different genres and done all sorts of different projects, but what kind of project would you like to do that maybe you haven't? Well, I'm probably going to always jump into something that is, is, you know, I'd always go in a category of something that's period. I'd love to do 1920s or 1930s, but I would also really love to do something that's futuristic fantasy, you know, that's mm. a future that, you know, we would only have to dream up that uh, doesn't look like everything looks now. So something like that. I, I remember the first time I saw the um, Star Wars in that bar scene with all those crazy characters in that bar scene. And I was like, mm. okay, that's, that's interesting. And then as I go through my career, I think I'd like to do, I'd like to do something that's future, but more in a fantasy space. Well, I guess that was fantasy too, but I don't know. I mean, I'm going to consider anything that comes with a good script and a good director and, a, you know, good actors, but yeah, yeah, yeah 20, twenties, yeah. thirties, future fantasy, probably that's probably would fall into my top, my top ones. So. 
Yeah, I mean, getting to create your own world. World, is, yeah. Um, pretty cool to be involved in, in that type of stuff. That would yeah, be, yeah. That would be pretty awesome. I think it'd be fascinating. Trying to do something that hasn't necessarily been seen before is also like, how, where do you even start? <laughs> yeah. So that would definitely be pretty fun. Yeah. Well, you know, as as with most things, the, everything that's forward is reflected and, and based on something in the past. So mm. I don't know, maybe you sort of, let's find out. Yeah. Me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would, you would definitely draw from history. Yeah. Yeah. It's just in, in what way and, and how, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Somebody write that script. Yeah. I mean, you, you see it done and sometimes you're like, oh, that didn't work. Or sometimes yeah. you see it and you're like, oh, fuck, that looks cool. That's always um, the risk. If you're making yeah. your own world, there's always a risk of mm, it not, you know, coming off like you want it to or it not being well received. So there, that's always a risk. But I, that's, I'm willing to take that risk. So Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Through all these films and stuff, you've been in every position, including department head, of course, and personal. Mm-hmm. So I just always love to know what people think or feel about the difference of being a head of department or a personal, because it's obviously very different work. But to you, what do you feel are like the pros and cons? Well, when you're a personal, you're you know you're everything to one person. So if there's a Mm. makeup situation, it is on me, whatever that is, um, it's on me. And if you're the department head, then you're, it's everyone. And so what's so, what I love about being, um, a department head is that I get to sort of have a, my sort of my stamp on how everyone looks. Um, how the whole show is presented as far as makeup and hair. Mm. I get to have that input, you know, not obviously not control because there's the director, the actors and everybody else, but I, I get to have some participation in how everyone looks. And when you're a personal, you have your person, you're one person. And so your creative is all into that one person. So you still have to stay on the same page as the rest of the film, but you also, Mm. you know, pour all your energy into creating what that one person is going to, to have, to look like, to present. So, I I mean, I love both. There's certainly some perks to being a personal because, you know, you you don't have the same kind of, you're not spreading yourself as thin, but I don't know. I, I like to keep doing both and just to mix it up a bit. And that's something I've tried to do my whole career is just choose jobs that, oh, I haven't done that before. Let's do that. You know, so I don't know. I don't think everyone's cut out to be a personal because it is very, you're very connected to that, the the person that you're taking care of. And you really have to, you have to help them get through their process. And it's kind of my nature to take care of people. So it narrows down who I'm focusing on. So I don't know. I I like them both. I I think there's pros and cons, but I, I don't think there's enough cons to either one of them that I wouldn't do it again. So yeah, no, I just know that the, there is definitely a different feel to each one and you are correct. Some people are just not maybe suited for either even, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, some people are not suited for head of department because it's a, uh, you know, if you don't want to be taking your work home with you every mm-hmm. night and in the weekends, um, and be responsible for the entire, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, job, then maybe that's not the job for you. If you like to leave at the end of the day and not think about work, then maybe being a head of department is not the best thing for you. And there's no, and there's nothing um, wrong with that. We all need a support team. No, God we no. all need people to help us. And if you don't want to carry the weight and talk to the producers and talk to the directors and, you know, like you said, take your work home, then, you know, yeah. be, be the support, be the support yeah. person. If you're smart enough to realize that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I think sometimes I guess people just feel that it's the natural progression and that Mm -hmm. that's the next thing that you should do. And then they're miserable because they're just like, oh, my God, this is just too much. Yeah. It's just like, well, step back for a minute. Let it be somebody else's problem. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, ask yourself, how many plates can you spin at once? (laughs) (laughs) Because if you can spin a lot of plates, you're a great department head. <laughs> and ask yourself if you, um, how many times can you just go, uh huh, yeah, that, 
um, then you might be a pretty good personal. <laughs> There's a point where you, you know, you, you don't, you have more voice potentially as a department head and you, as a personal, you are there to support and you put in your creative ideas, but um, ultimately the decisions may not be yours in the end. So that's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with both. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, I mean, it sounds so ridiculous too, but just, I haven't done personal work a lot, but mm. I think the only thing that kind of gets to me is not being able to step away. It's just like, yeah. you, there's no one there to hand over to if you need to just pop to the bathroom for a yeah. minute or something like that. So it's just like, you know, if your actor's peeing, then that's when you pee. Yeah. Um, if they're eating, that's when you eat because that's when you've got the time to do it because you don't have that support system, that key or somebody else to kind of be like, right. can you just watch them for five minutes? I need to go and do this. That's what I mean. That's when you're when you're personal, you're there, you're everything. And when you're, mm. when you're um, head of department, it's everyone. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's uh, definitely a different job. And I think it's, if you don't think you're cut out for these jobs, I think it's smart to just go, Hey, you know what? I'm going to let you have that one and, and not feel like that you have to be a department head or not feel like you have to experience being a personal because it's, it's there. These are jobs that are not for everybody. And I, and I respect somebody who just says, I'm good right here. This is my place. And I want to stay in this zone that I've created for myself yeah you take home the headaches <laughs> yeah, so absolutely like I know artists that just love day playing yes and I can understand why just because of the the variety the lack of like responsibility and stress that's involved mm -hmm. and they get to just go and you know, each job, they're probably catching up with different colleagues and friends and stuff that they haven't seen in a little while. And they get to, you know, one day they might be doing 1920s and yeah, the next it might be like Star Trek. So yes, it's, isn't that great? It's, isn't that great yeah. that we can make that choice? And whether it's the beginning of your career, the middle of your career, the end of your career, day playing is such an incredible, incredible opportunity to have a whole lot of different experiences and not yeah. have to take the weight of the job home with you. And if you're a good day player, and there's some really good day players, if you're a good day player, you'll never stop working, mm. you know? And yeah. by the way, being a good day player means knowing what's happening, knowing mm. what you're shooting, showing up on time, and being respectful for everybody, you know, that's around you. So at least that's part of it. And talking about like head of department and stuff like that, I always love to know, like at what point in your career are you, what job are you thinking, okay, I think I've got this head of department shit sorted out because I mean, it's not like you go <laughs> to school for it. It's not like anyone sits you down and go, okay, this is what your job is and this is what you should do. So, I mean, it's, it just seems to be through experience you kind of, you know, pick up bits and pieces from each job. And then at some point, hopefully, <laughs> you feel confident that you know what your job is and what's expected of you and how to achieve kind of success within that position. So do you remember a time where you were just like, okay, I think I've got this sorted out now? <laughs> um, or has that never happened? <laughs> just yeah. <never> happens. <laughs> I, I just, I, I actually... I mean, I'm sure there was times I'm like, I could looked at a job or looked at a script. I'm like, oh, I can do this, you know. But I, I'm going to go back to that whole idea of I just want to keep learning and I want to keep mm. understanding and I want to. Um, I think when we stop learning, that we we probably should retire because there's always going to be something to learn. And you know, sometimes it's a it's a technology that makes your job easier, or sometimes it's. Um, a new product that makes your job easier, or maybe it's even sometimes a new way of writing your emails where mm. you ask your questions and you give your answers in a, in a way that feels like you've got this, but the person receiving it must understand that here's my part and here's your part. And so mm. I think, I think as we go through as department heads, we just have to you know, or even just as makeup and hair people, we just have to keep learning. But was there a job? I just don't know if I can remember a time that I was like, I got this, you know, I just don't know what it would be. I mean, it, it, I, 
it was probably a long time ago if, mm. if, if, in in my career, but but I, I mean every single job I I read it and going and look at a look at a script and say, can I accomplish this? Do I have the ability to figure this out? And so I, I guess there will be a job that comes along. I'm like this one's not for me, you know. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know. If I keep learning and I keep understanding my skill set, <laughs> then mm. um, I think every job I'll, you know, I'll just I'll feel, you know, like something's clicked in that is working. So maybe you should ask the people who've worked for me. <laughs> maybe that's what. <laughs> maybe you should see it like, oh, she got it this time. <laughs> maybe they know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it goes it's in it's in a lot of positions I mean I, I think a lot of keys are working out like you know what is a key like what what yeah. do I, what do, what am I doing because I do remember being in that position and working for somebody that I hadn't worked for before and it was first time and they had not explained to me what they expected from me and I just remember one of the other team members kind of coming up to me and going you're the key. This is what you need to do. Like she was yeah. bold enough to just come up and be like this, this, and this. And I was like, oh, cool. Got it. Well, you know, and potentially every department head could ask of you different things. Some department yeah. heads want to have very tight control over everything. And some mm-hmm. department heads are very good at delegating. And yeah. so you really as as anybody working you know in, in your team either you have to be really clear or they have to ask questions and ideally both because yeah. not every person as a department head runs their job the same way so yeah. and that I think that was the moment that I kind of look back on and now before every job and especially when I'm hiring people that I haven't worked with before there is at some point before we start shooting a group email that gets put together and everybody's like what I'm expecting from everybody what their little jobs might be within the department so everybody knows who's taking care of what and what my expectations are for that job yeah that's really smart and there have been times that people have responded like oh my god I've been waiting for this type of direction for my entire life (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like but if everyone knows at that point too I've just found that it's a good kind of backup I think because if they are not doing or Mm, yeah you know following through with these things that were stated at that point it's a good thing for me to go back to and just be like remember yeah you know at the beginning what I refer back to that email yeah let's (laughs) let's go back for a little minute and remember how it says please be on time that is important (laughs) look honestly if you're not on time in this business then you are you are making a choice that is detrimental to your entire team. You can, you have to be a reliable person, period. Yeah. yeah. You have to be reliable. You have to be reliable and be on time. It's, it's so important. So, but agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But everybody does it different. And so it's great that you're, you know, giving very specific jobs. I think one of the things that, that was, you know, as I look back and have looked back over the years, I department headed small jobs and, and, you know, way before I fully understood the job. Mm. And so I didn't spend a a lot of time working under other people. So a Mm. lot of the job of the department head, I just figured out, you know, what's common sense. And then you start there and then you go, oh, okay, that may be common sense, but the actual route may be this way, you know? So I didn't have an opportunity to work under people, which is so informative, you know, to, to learn from somebody else. Yeah, I think, I mean, some people move forward a little easier that yeah. way than others. Like, I think some really need to work underneath others to, to learn some rights and wrongs and stuff, because mm-hmm. maybe the common sense isn't a natural, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a natural kind of thing to pop in there. But yeah, everyone learns differently. So yeah. when you're putting your teams together, what are you looking for in team members? Well, you know, skill is great, but... You know, you can teach skill if they don't, if they're not fully skilled. But I'd like people who are are kind of, you know, well, that are creative and curious and 
you know, fun and want to learn and, and, you know, they want to collaborate and, and they're, they're mm. organized and they're, you know, they're just someone who feels like they're taking the job as a career path, not just I'm doing this because it pays me well. I want someone who has a passion for what we do and is, is, um, you know, wants to learn. And I'm just, I don't want to be around people that are negative or, you know, jealous or ungrateful for opportunities or gossipy. I don't want to deal with any of that. I want people that yeah. are, that are fun and curious and creative and want to collaborate. Like so, yeah, that's awesome. Cause I mean, some heads of department don't want that collaboration at all. Yeah. Well, I think if you don't get some input from people, you don't have to, you don't have to take all the input, but it's certainly mm. interesting to hear perspectives. You know, it's one of the things I like about the business is, is just uh, the, the entire creative collaboration, whether that's directors, producers, actors, costume designers, whatever. I like the whole, okay, let's all get together and let's, let's see what we're going to do here. And then if you take that same spirit into your team, they go, okay, here's what we're going to do. What's your version of that? Then I, I think, mm. you, I think you, I think you get people's best self when they feel free to be creative themselves. And I think you get someone's worst self when you squash someone's creativity, when you structure your world so tightly that they don't feel safe being creative. Yeah. I think that's a, you have to create a safe environment for people to have their own version of creativity. So, I mean, within, yeah. within your boundaries, within the guidelines, within, you know, with guidance, but yeah. it's still allowing people to say, how about this? You know, and I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Okay. You know, or that doesn't work at all. And here's why. So mm. that's one of the things I really enjoy. That's awesome. So what, well, speaking of what we enjoy, what, what do you find most enjoyable about this line of work? If you had a teenage Jamie Lee coming up to you going, Tina, I want to be a makeup artist in the film industry. Mm. What do you love about it? What would you tell me? That's a good question. Um, I would say it's a great career if you're willing to give over, willing to collaborate I mean, give, I mean, give over your time because it, it mm. you know, you're, it's your, you're, you're giving over a lot of yourself when you join this business, you're willing to be collaborative and mm. potentially that they'll, you know, that you won't get everything right. And someone is always going to be better than you, but learn from all of that and dive in, you know, and treat it as a career, not a job, treat it as something that, you know, is going to potentially take care of you for the rest of your life. So, yeah. I don't know. Does so that make sense? Worth it. <laughs> yeah, it does. But what is that what you enjoy most about it? Well, I enjoy, I enjoy sort of the teaching, the learning, and the, the creative collaboration. So Yeah. Yeah. What do you find least enjoyable? <laughs> hmm. Um, hmm. <laughs> I find myself being away from home a lot. So I don't yeah. I don't enjoy that. And I don't mm. and I don't enjoy mean people. And right. I, I don't enjoy people that give you partial information or that give you information and that be the end of it when you want, no, no, I'll take this information and then I'll decide. But yeah, I think being away and mean people, those are the things I, and, and you know what, honestly, there's just not that many mean people in our business anymore. There, there was a time when there was a lot more mean people and I'm happy to say, I don't think there's nearly as many now. So maybe we, good. we weeded them all out, <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to be, whether you're like, you know, I'm Prague right now. So it's, it's hard to be away from home. And even when you're shooting in town, you're gone for many, many hours. So yeah, yeah. that's the part that's the hardest. Absolutely. The time suck. Yeah. I guess that kind of just goes into, you may have already answered this, but after the years that you've done and all the projects that you've done, mm -hmm. what's one thing you wish you'd known before or been told? before getting into this field? Like, did you know what you were getting into? Oh, no, I don't think any of us in the beginning really know what we're getting ourselves into. Um, yeah. I don't think we realize that you're going to 
always have the question mark of whether you're available for anything outside of this business. You know, I think that was the thing that my, my family had to learn. I was like, I don't know if I'll be, I don't know if I can go to that because I don't know what I'll be doing, you know? And, and mm. I think the part that of your commitment goes to the job. So then other things fall by the wayside. It's, you know, it's like I tell people when they're starting out in this business, look, I'm just going to say this and you can ignore it completely. But if you want to have children, don't forget that you want to have children and stop it long enough. If that's what you want to do that, because you, if you, yeah, you need to put it into your plans, really, yeah. don't you? Like you need yeah. to plan for it. Yeah. Or you'll wake up one day and you go, oh gosh, I kind of missed that window. Didn't I? You know? which, you know, Mm. lots of people do. They wake up and and a lot of years have gone by. So I think you plan to the end if you can, in the best way that you can. And so that when things come your way, you you have a better sort of idea of your overall. And that's really hard to do when you're starting out. Yeah. It's really hard to have that kind of perspective that, okay, if I'm going to do this for X amount of years and, and, and I still want to have vacations or I want to have children or I want to go to birthday parties or I want to, you know, whatever, you, you're, you have to plan on it and you have to plan on missing it sometimes and you mm. have to leave yourself windows other times. Yeah, I know that I figured all that stuff out pretty early. Like, oh mm-hmm. fuck, okay, this is this career is a situation, but yeah. it's it's a whole it's situation. Also, <laughs> yeah, it's also yeah, like friends and family understanding. Like, I'm sure a lot of relationships have come to an end because the significant other can't fucking handle it. Yeah, it's um, true. And you know, there's a lot of people say, I would never date anyone in this business. And I'm like, yes, but if you date someone in this business, there's a shorthand. They get it. They understand. You never have to say, I know I said I'd be home at eight, but I'm going to be home at midnight. And you don't ever have that, <laughs> you know, other jobs and other careers and other, other people, they, they don't, they don't understand that. And so, yeah. you know, yeah. well, they do, but some do, but it, yeah, like I true. say that I wouldn't want to, you know, I wouldn't want my husband to work in this industry, but it's, that's simply because that shorthand would be there, but I would never see him. <laughs> Cause if you get put on location, you know, somewhere and they get put on location, mm-hmm. like it's just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you would ever necessarily see yeah. him unless you happen to get on the same jobs all the time, then that would be amazing. Well, but, may, maybe um, I should qualify that and say, I, my husband is in post. My husband is an editor. So maybe right. you need to find the right position in this industry. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, if your husband's an AD and, 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 you know, you're, you know, you might not, not ever see them, but I, I just think there's a, there's a certain shorthand that you, everyone just kind of understands, you know, and, yeah. and then you just have to communicate with them as much as you communicate with everybody else in your world you know if, yeah. I, if I'm gone uh, on away and I, I need to you know do a job and, and be away for a while I make sure that I communicate and check in with my husband on on a regular basis just to make sure we're on the same page and you know after this many years yeah. you know I, I think we're we figured it out so and fortunately he's he's home he's home you know he's at, at right you know he's in in LA so yeah yeah that makes it easier. Yeah. I think I learned pretty early on with the, the challenge of accepting jobs out of town was that I think it was maybe about the third one. And I was just like, oh my God, I, I'm actually being a little bit selfish here because I would just say yes to the job and then tell yeah. my husband that that's what was happening. Yeah. And very quickly I was just like, oh, that's not really the great way to go about it. I need to speak to them, find out what the details are and then go to him and go, what do you think? Yeah should should I do this I kind of I want to do it but at the same time like if if now is not a good time for me to be away then I won't do it yeah I have the exact same um, conversation every job with my husband so yeah. I got this offer and here's what it entails does that work you know and what's that do mm. you know how's that interact with you know your job and your time and you know and 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 you know our dogs and and all that so yeah it's a conversation you have to have because you know we all want to take every job and obviously we can't and we shouldn't uh yeah. we, we have to take the ones that work for us and they'll work one one time they'll work for you and other times they just simply won't as much as you want yeah. them yeah it's funny too how you just i don't know when you're working in the industry for a while and you're just like yeah everybody gets what i do everybody gets it and then I know for the longest time, my in-laws just, uh, it took 
it took a hot minute for them to kind of understand Mm -hmm. or just not be concerned when I wasn't working. Yes. Like, yeah, I'm in between jobs and that would kind of be stressful to them because they, (laughs) they would just be like, what do you mean? So you're unemployed. So I started referring to things like, you know, it's just like, oh, I work really hard when I work and then I'd love to have, I need to have time off to like, Mm -hmm. you know, get myself back together and and have a life and um so when they would say what are you doing at the moment Jamie Leah be like I'm blissfully unemployed it's amazing (laughs) so I put like this positive spin on it and then finally they're kind of like okay and I don't think it wasn't wasn't until they came to like stay with us while I was actually on a job yeah and they saw the hours that I was pulling and they were like oh okay yeah no she definitely needs to have time off yes yes And, and honestly, if, if you're, if you know, that's the place we want to get to is where we can say we're blissfully unemployed because yeah. it means that we are having choices to be unemployed and to, to be, you know, and then opportunities to be employed. So yes, I mean, enjoy your time off and make the most of it because when you're working, you know, you're all in on the job and, and my, my relatives, my mom, my dad, you know, it was, it was, took a while for them to sort of get mm. it, to understand. And at one time I just said, to my dad, I said, I have an expectation of being unemployed on a regular basis for the rest of my life. I'll be mm. employed and then unemployed and then be employed and then unemployed, you know, because my dad got a job and he was on the job for, you know, for most of his life, you know? So, yeah. so it is just a re-education, you know, and I, I, I remember telling my dad one time, you know how teachers work and then they have the summer off. It's kind of like mm. that, <laughs> you know, it goes, oh, okay. All right. You know, so it's just a little window. <laughs> Are you saying that you're dealing with children all day, Tina? You know, <laughs> you yeah, yeah, I will. I, I have said this more than a few times. My child psychology classes way back when have served me well <laughs> in this, in this business, you know, whether you're dealing with a director or a producer or actor that's being, you know, rather childish, you, you, you just kind of mm. have ability to sort of, you know, bring logic to it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to get you to imagine that you're in your trailer, you're uh-huh. all set up. Yep. Um, I walk in and uh, the evil queen that I am and take something away from you. What one tool or product would you not want to be without? Oh, geez. You know, this old makeup guy that I used to know a hundred years ago always said, don't get hung up on something and have only one way to do something. So Mm. he was really sort of adamant that not to have that one thing and that, that you need to learn a lot of different ways to do things. So I've kind of, kept that in mind, you know, over the years that I I just don't want to have that one thing. But if I actually had to say, I'd probably say my iPhone because it's, (laughs) it's, it's my, it's my camera. It's my research. I can call and order Mm. whatever it is I'm missing and, uh, and I can call for help. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) you know, I try really hard to not get so latched to that favorite brush or that favorite, you know, whatever, because, you know, products are discontinued, you lose your brush, you know, and, and I just feel like kind of all, that's something I always tell people really early on in their career is don't get so hung up on having the perfect exact things that you need, because at some point you won't have them and you need to know how to do it without, you know, how to, how to have another option, how to make another choice. So yeah, you got to turn into MacGyver at some point. Yeah. I mean, and that they've called me makeup MacGyver for so many years, you know, it was more relevant when the show was on, but, but you know, <laughs> but yeah, cause I just, I just will figure it out. That's also part of being creative. So yeah, yeah absolutely. You have to be creative in so many ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very true. Yeah. And who would you like to hear on the podcast? I, I kind of think it'd be fun to have someone who's retired or about to retire, maybe at the end of their career. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have perspective from that side. At the same time, someone who's young and new and and excited about the beginning and sort of have them together and just do sort of a perspective from both sides of of this career. But uh, as far as a person, an actual person, I think John Blake would be really interesting. Many years ago, I worked with John Blake, and I think he's interesting and you know fascinating. And he has, of course, his mustache wig lines. And then also Barbara Lorenz, who is not only you know legendary, but she's so 
funny and dry and, you know, we'll just be, we'll <laughs> say the funniest things. Um, so I think those two people, but I think it'd be fun to do a, you know, a beginner and a, and a, you know, you know, an old timer at the same time, just because their perspective on everything will be so different. Yeah. But yeah. I agree. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Well, Tina, thank you for your time. Cause I know it's very valuable mm. and I have loved finding out so much more about you that I didn't know. <laughs> oh gosh. How's that? I, I'm a deep, I'm a, I'm a deep well, Jamie Lee. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, I always find it interesting when I've worked with somebody and spent so much time with them and then I interview them and I'm like, Oh, I had no idea. That's very cool. Yeah. So yeah. It's yeah. Fun. You know, well, you're fun to, to work with and, and it's fun to have this opportunity to, um, to chat, you know, on, on, on something other than, you know, what are we shooting tomorrow? So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and will we survive <laughs> yeah so thank you thank you i really appreciate it for links to see more about our guests go to our instagram at the last looks podcast or our website the if you want to keep up with new episodes being released be sure to subscribe through apple podcasts spotify amazon google play youtube or any podcast streaming platform. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, share it. The Last Looks podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people.